All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got my buddy, Brian. Now, Brian runs Bull Elk Beard Oil, which happens to be one of the sponsors of the podcast currently. And so I'm super grateful to him for all the support that he's shown through that. But he's been listening to the podcast for quite a while now, and he is a diehard bow hunter. So we're going to hear all about not only the business, but what hunting adventures he's been up to lately. And we've got a ton in common. So this should be a great show. I look forward to connecting with him more in the future and getting out on some hunts uh, side by side with him. So we're going to jump right into this one. But before we do, I want to remind you once again, go hop on Big Game Heroes website. You can check the link in my bio, the description of this podcast and vote for Hunter Lashinsky. He's made it now. Uh, he made it to the top 15. Now they're voting for the top 10. Next will be top five. And then I believe it's the finals. So he's getting really close to potentially winning $25,000 and a five-day guided elk hunt. So go check that out. I greatly appreciate the support. Let's jump right in. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got Brian Krebs. And Brian reached out to me, gosh, it's been a couple months now. And uh, he reached out. He's like, dude, I love your show. I love the outdoors. Like, hit me up if you ever want to do anything together. And I'm like, okay, sure. So <clears throat> we've been talking. Finally, you're on the podcast. And I'm super pumped because we've probably talked like every couple days now for the last week and a half. Um, so. Thanks for being on, man. Dude, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, um, I think, I don't know if it was the initial conversation we had, but you brought up that you've got a uh, company called Bull Elk Beard Oil. And I was like, what an awesome name, first of all. And then I saw your beard, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can let him see my face. I'm like, not quite baby-faced, but uh, close enough. Uh, tell me about the company. How did that start? What inspired it? And, uh, do you have to have a beard for the rest of your life now that you have that company? Well, it definitely puts a lot more pressure on trimming my beard. That's for sure. <laughs> so I, I broke down and I just got a barber. I've been going to her for three years now. Nice. I don't want to mess it up and have to start over. Yep. Kind of hard to sell beard oil if you're baby face. So <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it all started in 2019 really. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that it's a great name because there's two things that held me up from starting something for so long. And I've, you know, growing up, I've always had a passion for the outdoors, wanted to be in the industry so bad. You know, my dad had always asked me like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'll be like a, a professional football player, just confidently, nonchalant. Yeah. And he'd be like, well, you know, that's great. And I'll give you the whole dad speech, but you might want to come up with a backup plan. I was like, Oh, that's easy. If that doesn't work out, I'll just be a professional hunter. Yeah. And he's always laughing. Like, I think it might be easier to be a football player, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I mean, obviously it's, it is a lot of work to be in the industry. And so I've always thought about it and I always tried to get in just, I love the job I have um, working for a company designing, you know, electronics for big green off-road vehicles. If any of your followers can put that together. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to be, you know, doing things outside, being in the outdoors, and, and I wanted to start for so long and I've started making my own beard oils because it was fun, kind of a DIY, can do it at home, mix up some scents. And it started going well. And I was like, I could turn this into a business. But the two things that were, you know, always holding me back was 
taxes. I don't know how it's going to affect my tax returns, how to start like charge sales tax, what states do, what states don't, how am I supposed to know what county people live in and figure out what their local taxes are. And, and then the name, I'm like, I can't even think of a good name. Like, how am I possibly going to like be a successful businessman if I can't think of a good name? And this bothered me for like a, a half a year. Like, I, I'm embarrassed to admit how long that held me back. And during this time, I had my once in a lifetime North Dakota elk tag at the same time. And so I'm working out like every day, double headers, 4 a.m. cardio at the gym, doing powerlifting after work every, well, not every weekend, but, you know, most weekends that I was free, I was driving across the state to scout. And I spent like 16 days scouting that summer out in the Badlands looking for elk, you know, sleeping in my truck or sleeping on the side of the road. Um, just putting everything I had into it because North Dakota's got some monster bulls. I mean, I'm talking huge for a long time. The number three bull in the world was shot in North Dakota. It was a four thirty-seven. Yeah, it's a four thirty-seven, and it was the first year they opened up the season. Um, ironically, that guy shot that bull probably, you know, based on his land ownership, like five miles from where I shot mine. Jeez. And so, um, spoiler alert, and then. Um, I'm thinking about this because it's four hours out there. So I got plenty of windshield time. I'm listening to Rogan podcasts and, you know, Jordan Peterson, Cameron Haynes, all these inspirational people that are just like rocking life. And I'm like, oh man, I need to do this. I need to go, but I can't figure out what to call it and all this stuff. And so um, in the meantime, I'm I'm scouting giant bulls. I had a bull. I think I showed you a picture. It was a seven by eight. um, And I thought he was, could have been a 400 inch bull that I was on. And I, I, I just don't know. I'm not good at field judging elk because usually when we're archery elk hunting, we're shooting raghorns. Like they don't yeah. even have fifths. So it's hard to figure out how much <laughs> that fifth adds and how long the beams are because we're used to shooting two, three-year-old bulls. Um, and so I, I reached out to Ryan Carter on Instagram. I don't know if you've ever seen his content, but he's a guide out in Utah. And okay. he has guided some clients on some giant bulls. He was part of the team that hunted the, the Arizona freak bull. He was um, part of that crew. I think he sh- shot either a couple 400s or like real up there bulls, like just monsters. So I reach out to him on Instagram and say, Hey, you know, I just found this big bull. I got a once in a lifetime take. Would you mind scoring it for me? And I'm just like, fingers crossed. Like he's not going to see this message or reply to me. And sure enough, I get a voice message back and I'm like, Oh, this is a fluke. Like he tried to try to block me or something <laughs> and accidentally hit the mic button. And sure enough, he's like, I'm driving right now, but yeah, send it over. I'll take a look. And he sends the video to him. He replies instantly. I like, I didn't blink. I'm looking at my phone and just boom, boom, boom. Three voice messages come back. And he's like, damn, that's a great bull. And then the next one was like, to be honest, like he's upper three eighties, upper three nineties. But every time I look at him, he gets bigger, man. He could be 400. And then the last one was like, do not leave this bull, like stay on him as many days in a row as you can do not let him go. And so I spent nine days after that last time I saw him trying to find this bull and I couldn't, I mean, I I put in long hours trying to see him again. I got, you know, video through the spotter, saw him twice in one day and then he just disappeared. And opening season is kind of unique in North Dakota. They do some different rules with units. So my unit, had a, a complete unit inside of it. And for the first weekend, you can't hunt across the unit lines. But after that first weekend, both unit hold, tag holders can hunt either unit. And the big bull was in the unit I couldn't hunt. So I blew opening weekend trying to find them and stay on them. And I couldn't do it. And so Sunday morning, 
a cold front rolled in and I said, I can't, you know, I've spent nine days on this bowl. It's September 8th. You can rifle hunt in North Dakota. So I'm rifle hunting the, what's going to be the peak rut and it's a cold front. I can't waste this opportunity. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to where I've seen some other elk this summer and I get out at daylight. I'm running a little late, take 200 yards from my truck and I hear elk bugle behind me on private. I'm like, well, you know, if there's an elk behind me, Maybe there's an elk in front of me. I don't know why that logic came into my mind because it's all the archery elk hunting I've done. That's never the case. Like, yeah. oh, there's one right there. There's going to be another one right here. But sure enough, I bugle, just do that clean, crisp. And I'm like, I wonder how Dude, long I got to wait. <laughs> well, you got to improvise if you forget your reads or you drop one in the mud. Um, and I'm like, I wonder how long I got to wait. And about the time I finished thinking that, a bull bugles right in front of me. Like close, like three, 400 yards. And so I take off and I'm, my heart's pounding, like all the time I've put into this. And I've, I've, at this point in my life, I've eaten four archery elk takes. So it's like, this doesn't happen like yeah. this fast, this easy. It's, it's, I can't believe this is working. And so I take off running and I'm coming up and over drainages and it's, it's broken country. A lot like those badlands you guys went to this summer in South Dakota. And I come up over one and there's two raghorns on the next ridge. And so I'm like, oh, cool. You know, saw some elk, but dang it. I thought that big, I thought that bull sounded bigger. Like it sounded like a good bull. Not that I know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> so I'm watching them. I take the DSLR off and I start snapping some pictures of these two raghorns and this bull keeps bugling. And I'm like, oh man, this is cool. I'm taking pictures of these bulls bugling. And then it hits me like neither one of these bulls are moving. Like they're not, <laughs> their mouths aren't moving. They're just staring at me. These aren't the ones that are bugling. So then it's like, oh crap, I got to go again. So I put the camera away, take off again come up and over like two more ridges and I see the backside of a monster just going over the hill with some cows and just kind of disappears. Like not that they saw me, they were just going over. And that's when it really hit high gear and I take off. Had to go through a herd of cattle that I was like so nervous that I'm going to spook this whole herd of cattle and they're going to run up drainage and bust all the elk out. And I'm like handshaking distance away from these cows walking through them like, hi, don't mind me. Just passing through. Don't please don't <laughs> run. Probably wishing you had like a cow silhouette at this point just to cruise through. I did have a cow elk silhouette. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I whipped that out and I'm crawling because it had rained for like three days and it's clay. And I'm literally in four wheel drive claws in the ground trying to crawl up these cliffs like these. It's like 200 foot. Well, that's a little excessive, probably 100 foot faces. And it's flat on top, flat on the bottom. But that is really steep 100 feet. And I'm sliding like it's just a muddy mess. And I finally I finally get to this flat spot where I can see the elk. They're milling around out in these like broken, like six to eight foot speeders at about 350 to 400 yards. The problem is that's complete open country between me and them. So I'm, I'm grounded. I can't do anything. So I pop the, the decoy up next to me and I'm starting to lightly cow call just a little bit. The whole time this bull's bugling like every five minutes, it's like it is textbook what you want a bull to do. Just keep making noise so you know where he is, but I can't see him. And so I'm looking with my, my rifle scope because the elk are out and I'm like, I'm not going to waste time with the spotter at this point because if i see him i might get like two seconds and i'm not gonna have time and i look at this cedar at like 425 yards and it's just getting demolished <laughs> all i see is this cedar just like Dude, this whipping is like back out and of forth. a dream man this whole hunt this whole hunt experience is literally a picture perfect elk hunt and i look through the scope at 25 power and i can see only his fourths and fifths destroying this tree i can't see anything below that and i'm like this is a monster. Like I don't, all I can see is this fourth and fifth and I'm going to shoot him like hundred percent. And so I text my brother, um, 
shooter bowl at 400 yards, 10 inch fourths. And he texts me back and he, you know, he knows all along I have high standards for this hunt. And he goes, dude, I don't know if a four inch fourth is a shooter. And that right at that time, I'm like, oh, sorry, 10 inch fifths. And he's like, oh, that changes <laughs> everything. That's definitely a shooter. Meanwhile, yeah. he's in the middle of church service back home because it's Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm holding on to this bull with like everything I got on my, I got my rifle set up. I'm on them. Every time a cow walks out of these cedar thickets, I'm doing the fire drill, right? Like safety off. There's an elk. Oh shoot. It's a cow. Like, all right, get the heart back down, get the heartbeat back down. And we go through this for 45 minutes. I'm oh on gosh. rifle for 45 minutes, watching these cows slowly come out like one every 10 minutes. I got like four or five of them are already out. And then like one a minute or one every 10 minutes for another 45 and there, there's, I'm trying to cow call, but I'm like, don't mess this up. Like they're in the open, like they're literally open country between me and them. So I don't want to call too much and bust the cows, but this bull's not moving. He's just destroying this tree. And so finally the last big cow comes out. It's like an older looking cow. You, you've seen some elk before. You kind of know, like, you're like, okay, that one's more of a nanny looking cow. Yep. And she just looks back and she gives like the nastiest elk call. You know, typically they're that, that meow, meow. She's mm -hmm. like, meow. And <laughs> like, like I literally him. was, yeah, I was literally like, what the heck was that? I've never heard that before. And just like that, he stops raking that tree and starts walking out. And I'm like, oh, dude, that must have been like, let's go, Jerry. We're late. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm on him now. Like now I know I can see his tops coming through the top of the cedars. And he walks out at about 375. I quick dial for the, the little adjustment. I thought he was going to come at 350. And I shoot and just that crisp. <laughs> get back on him. I had a bipod. So I got back on him pretty fast and he's tumbling down one of those faces, like 30, 40 feet, just rolling. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, just the wave of weight that leaves your body when you shoot a bull of like that caliber. And I'm sure you've been in the same spot listening to some of your podcasts where it's like, when you, when you pull the trigger, there's nothing that causes more anxiety than the time between when you pull the trigger and when your arrow or bullet lands like it, yep. that it, you're just like, I, I hope this works. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, always try to make the best shot you can. Well, seeing him roll down, I mean, I'm shooting a big bullet, a 200 grain, 300 short main bullet. I'm like, Oh, it worked. He lands in a pile at the bottom. I can't really see him land, but I can see like saplings just going crazy and legs and tines. And I'm like, Oh, he's done. Stands back up. Oh no. And I'm like, all right, I, I, I can play this game and I rack, rack another shell. He's walking right at me. I shoot and he just does that like, like if you were to punch like a 400 pounder as hard as you can and it just doesn't even phase them. Yeah, they heat. just absorb it. And I'm like, all right, do it again, shoot, does it again. And now I'm out because my gun only holds three and I don't hunt with a full chamber just for safety. So I'm digging through the, the pack trying to get one more out. By now he's cut the distance about 75 yards, turns broadside. And I shoot again and he just drops. I'm like, oh, I forgot. Now he's closer. I probably hit him in the spine. Yeah. And and then he was, and then I watched him through the scope and he quit breathing within like 10 seconds. Um, Dude, a lot so of the Eastern hunters don't get the whole shoot until they quit moving. Oh, and, dude. You know, yeah, like these, they're used to shooting white-tailed deer or, yeah. I mean, I mean predominantly white-tailed deer. But when I got out to Colorado, all my buddies were like, dude, you pull the trigger until it is done moving. Until they're down. Because yeah. if it gets out of sight, it could go into the deepest, nastiest hole that you'll never right. get it out of, or you might not ever find it. Yeah. The rule I tell myself and anyone I hunt with is is shoot until they're down and stay on them until they're done. 
Yep. So like, I don't keep shooting them if they're just laying on the ground, like doing that last breath. Cause I don't want to wreck the meat, but if they stand back up, it's game on yep. like he did. And that, and then it's finally like, it was the wave of weight had lifted and the, like the stress was gone. Like it was just like everything melted away and I'm just sitting there like crazy. Like, I can't believe this happened. Like, it's one of those, like you said, it's a dream. Like this is not real. Like somebody like pinch me or punch me or something. Cause this isn't real. I call my girlfriend at the time now fiance and tell her, and she's just Jack. She's like yelling to her dad. Cause her dad's a hundred two. And he's like, he shot one, he shot his bull. And I'm like, all right, I gotta go. I gotta call my dad and my brother. I call my brother. He answers his phone in the middle of the church service. And it's like, dude, that's awesome. Gotta go. <laughs> my cousin was at the church too. And they like, look at each other from across the congregation because they both get the text at the same time <laughs> neither one of them probably paying attention um and so it's just this awestruck moment and when i walked up to this bull like you've probably done when you walk up to it you're just like awestruck by how mm -hmm. magnificent these animals are like just monster animals and it, it was raining so was, his fur was full of water and it gets that like beaded up kind of look and I just remember looking at his beard and his beard, you know, the dark fur on his neck was all beaded up and it just looked like ruggedly badass. It was the only way I could describe it. And it just hit me in that moment. Bull elk beard oil. That's so sweet. That's and that's like the most I, it, epic story to come up with a product name. I think I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. I don't know how I got to that. I mean, it, I've been thinking about this all summer long. I've been chasing elk all summer long. And then it just it's like it all came together. And in that moment, I knew instantly that there was no more if I'm going to do this. It's I'm going to do this and it's going to be called bull elk beard oil. And it's, you know, and, it, and it, it's so much so many thoughts went through my mind in that moment. But it was like, I just don't want to sell beard oil to sell beard oil. I want to design a company for the outdoorsman, like unashamed about it no questions asked. I'm never going to, you know, cave to, you know, being politically correct or, or trying to, you know, change what I do because of censorship. It's going to be 100% for the outdoors, for the outdoorsmen to give back, to inspire people to be better, to go chase their dreams. Like I've been putting so much time and effort into this hunt and this tag and for it to all wrap up and just to feel that immense, like inner peace and happiness and just joy. It's like, I want to, do whatever I can to inspire people to go get that for themselves for whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if you're an underwater basket weaver and, and that feeling comes from winning the, you know, city of Atlantis championships. I just want you to feel that, like to feel what I'm feeling right now after this hunt. That's why I, you know, did what I did and came up with the name and, and started the business. And then it was all because of that bull. Dude, that's amazing. The only thing that the story is missing is coming across a like tax advisor in the middle of it. Yeah. And then you've got all your problems solved in one go. Ironically, my dad mentioned like, Hey, my, to his tax guy, cause my dad has a couple businesses and he, so he has a tax guy that he works with and he kind of casually mentioned like, Hey, Brian's trying to do in this. And he's kind of had some questions about taxes and my, the tax guy's like, Oh, he only has to worry about sales tax in his own state. Like it doesn't matter any of the other States. The only way he'd ever get caught is if the person that bought the beard oil got audited. And they were like, you know, picky enough to track back. Did he pay taxes on that beard oil? So he doesn't even have to worry about it. I was like, oh, well, all right. I guess if that's the case, I'll just go with it. And that's Shopify awesome. sets up all the local tax districts anyway. Dude. So, man, that's amazing. Uh, well, congrats on the elk. Did you did you score it right away? Did you find out? Yeah. So I'm not an official score, but I, I score enough and I, I follow the sheet. You know, it's it's not that hard. So I taped them out at 354. <sighs> as a clean six by six, which oh, was man. 
you know, I know there's bigger bulls out there, but you know, I'd take it for my first elk. Oh, I'd, I'd take that right now. And I've had several <laughs> seasons under my belt. So yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was an awesome bull. And then, you know, the rest of the day it's, it was, I don't want to over romanticize it, but it was like perfect. My parents were out in the badlands and my dad, you know, he brought me into hunting him and my brother. And so, and he's kind of been an elk hunter, but we didn't start this Western thing until he was kind of later in life. So he, he comes with, but he's, he's not, you know, hitting the Hills hard anymore. And so for him to be out there and my mom was out there, they were four wheeling around in the badlands. And, you know, my mom is not a hunter. She grew up in a, you know, Northwoods, Minnesota environment where like we have a, we have a buck on our wall. It's a 170 inch gross buck on a wall plaque. It's all lacquered up like real dark stain from the olden days. And she, the story is that that's her grandfather's and it was the only deer he ever shot during season. Dang. They like, they were like, they shot deer to survive type of people. And so she knows about it and she's always supported us, but she's never hunted herself. And and she, you know, she doesn't go out in the mountains and hike around. But the, the beautiful thing about North Dakota is she was able to get to that bull a mile and a quarter off the road because of the terrain. And we found some ways to get in that was easier. So she got to see this bull up close and personal and, and awesome. take pictures of me and my dad breaking them down. Like it was like, you camels can't paint a better picture for what you would like in a, in an elk hunt to you know, to put in all that hard work. Like you don't want it to be easy to have fun, to see elk, to see big bulls for it to, you know, the bugling and the, and the, the cedars mixed with the, what the yellow grass. And it just gives you that great scenic view and the cows and, you know, and then, and then your family to be there with you. It's, I couldn't, I couldn't do it again better if I tried, like it, yeah, like I, it was clearly God's plan. Yeah. I tell all my buddies here, I'm like, you have to get out and experience elk hunting. It's a whole different ball game. Like you're not just looking at a 40 acre bean field, even if you don't pull the trigger, it's going to be one of the more amazing trips you've ever taken. Um, and I know you mentioned you guys didn't start Western hunting until late. Your dad was later in life. What, uh, what did you guys grow up hunting? We were the kind of the typical Midwest um, firearm, like traditional deer camp firearm season. And then my dad did some bow hunting earlier in his life, kind of drifted out of it, probably got busy in business, starting, you know, a body shop and gas stations and a trucking business and probably just drifted out of it a little bit. And then pheasant hunting, big pheasant hunters. My my brother's uh, president of the Pheasants Forever chapter. I was treasurer at like age 14 15 i think which meant my dad was treasurer and i just got to carry the checkbook to the meeting yeah um firearm safety instructors in the family i'm working on finalizing my instructor training course right now all i had to do is assistant teach a course and i'll get mine um so that's really what got me in to the the outdoors and then i for some reason i don't know if i saw hunger games or what but i just always wanted a bow hunt yeah and my dad would just not buy me a bow because i was growing so fast and he didn't know that you could buy like these those mission bows that were adjustable so he's like i can't i can't buy you a bow until you're done growing man so you'd buy me the $50 thing from fleet farm and the little plastic kit and you could barely get an arrow to stick in a target. And I shot, I probably shot the strings off of it. Um, and so finally one day he let me buy a bow with my own money, um, at like age 14. And so we go to the pawn shop or not the pawn shop, the archery shop, but bought a used bow at the time and got it all tuned in. And then he'd drive me out to hunt and him and mom would sit in the truck and kind of have a, 
you know, just chill out while I'm sitting in the tree, yeah. trying to hope this deer walks by, not knowing <laughs> anything of what I'm supposed to do. Right. Like I, I'm four feet off the ground because dad won't let me go any higher and uh, just sitting there having the time of my life. That's so, awesome, man. Yeah. I, I love just hearing people's stories of how they got into it and what like the progression was. Um, I've got, I mean, my story is very similar to that. Where are you at now as far as like favorite thing to hunt? Is it archery elk? Man, I knew you were going to ask me this question because <laughs> I've listened to every one of your podcasts. And so I was thinking about it on my way down here to Iowa. And I, the, the only answer I can give you is like, it, there's, there's three different phases, right? To me, nothing burns hotter and more fierce than archery elk. That's like gasoline on a dead Christmas tree. It it's white hot. It's short. It's fast. It's explosive. You you wait for it all year, and you got seven days, and you hit it as hard as you can. It's fun. You're with your buddies and road trips, and like you said, no matter what happens, it's an adventure, right? The hunt is yep. the adventure. If you get to bring one home, it's just like a bonus. But so that's nothing. Nothing burns as bright as that. But I also would say the dull fire that you know keeps the cabin warm all night long that's whitetails land management shed hunting um anything to do with with like stewarding the outdoors and and raising bucks you know yeah. just that yearly chase on trail cameras watching them grow trying to plant food plant them you know in a strategic way so they're at your tree stand at 20 yards broadside looking that tree that you cut down and planted and all that hard work. That's the, that's the slow burn that keeps me going all year long. And then I like to mix in some like type one fun, you know, fun in the moment stuff, the, the shed hunting where you're just going out with the dog and picking up antlers. Yep. Um, antelope hunting is like that in a way you get to sleep in a little bit later. You don't have to wake up early. It's, it's more just fun, relaxing. It's not grueling. Like some of the elk hunts can be in the moment. It's like that type one fun, that easier laugh, laugh fun. And the, then the look back and cherish, yeah, like the type two elk hunt, um, pheasant hunting, stuff like that. But I'd say, you know, those are the, that's kind of the answer, I guess it's, yeah, it's complicated. I, no, I get it. I mean, for me, the archery whitetail, some, there's something about hunting deer in the rut, watching deer on trail cameras, doing habitat improvement. I love elk hunting, but I have yet to archery elk hunt. And so I think that could be a huge game changer because like when I go out rifle hunting, it's almost always post rut. Like you'll hear, you'll hear bugles calling doesn't really do anything. Um, yeah, I, I think if I had a screaming bull in my face, nothing would ever compare. I just, I can't imagine the thrill of having that, like, especially being out of sight, just like yeah. right on the other side of something and you hear it and it's just like, Oh my gosh, it's go time. This is all happening. I've watched video after video of this. And then to yeah. think like the anticipation of that coming down the line, potentially in a couple seconds or minutes. Oh man. Yeah. It's, pumped. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, so I'm sure you've probably heard someone bugle in a bugle tube or something. And you're like, dude, that's, it's cool, but it's loud. Like, can you point that the other direction? Yep. We've had bulls. For, I don't know how they do it, but when they bugle your chest rattles, I, I can't understand it. It's like you're, it's like you're standing next to the speakers at like a, an EDM rave. Yeah. It's just, and you, it, you're like, we're going to go chase whatever that is. Like, 
you could easily see that being like a 20,000 pound animal as loud as they can bugle. And I think it's partly the mountains and the, the hardwoods and the black timber It echoes. And I don't understand how they can make that much volume and that much force. It's insane. I've, I've had yeah. a few, I'm lucky enough to have a few close encounters with bugling bulls. Um, I've never had the opportunity to, um, to, to draw blood myself. My brother is, um, Man, he's got that lucky rabbit's foot. That's all I can say. I mean, he's he's killed four bulls. I think it's four with his bow. Um, one was a 260, one was a 308, and two raghorns, if I if I'm counting correctly. And uh and two of the bulls, I was standing next to him shoulder to shoulder. And at this point, he has already shot he shot a really dandy bull with his rifle early Is he just quit on the draw or what? No, he's got the lucky rabbit's foot. I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand. I, I think um I shoot more than he does. You know, he, he, he has a bow to archery elk hunt. He doesn't bow hunt whitetails. He doesn't, he doesn't do any real bow hunting. The only reason he has a bow is to hear elk bugle. Um, so, and he loves it. Obviously he's super passionate about it, but he doesn't like quite shoot quite as much as I like. I just like shooting. It's just a hobby of mine. Yep. Um, I call, we both call a lot. Like we practice our calling. We're both good at calling. Um, I'm, my brother's actually 51. He's a half brother okay. and I'm 27. And I'm six two. He's five ten. So you can do the math on the mountain. Like he's not outrunning me. He's in good shape. But you know, it's not that either. It's just I think he's just lucky, and he's he's smart. He's really intelligent. So I think he's got that going for him. Or it's he puts he's very analytical. So he'll put himself on the right side of the tree. Okay. And maybe I'm just not quite as sharp and not putting myself in those same spots. But you know, the the first elk I missed with my bow, we walk out. Um, bulls at 53 yards. I do everything perfect because two days before I did everything unperfectly and I blew an opportunity at a six by six at 30 yards. Cause I didn't stop him. I thought I needed to range it because it was at an angle and he got away. And looking back, I knew it was 30 yards. I could have killed him with my 40 or my 20 pin at yeah. that distance with my bow. I, and I, it's easy to stop him. You just, yep. This time, everything perfect, range them, stop them, draw, shoot there's a branch like six inches in front of my arrow that was out of sight of my housing. So I never knew the branches there. And my arrow just sails 20 yards over this bull's back off oh the side of the gosh. mountain. Bull kind of jumps, looks back. My brother just comes out of the woods, like a Mohican and just how far, <laughs> how far? And I'm like, uh, like 57 shoots bull runs, um, oh, no. <laughs> straight back to the four wheeler and dies. We had to put one more, fin a couple more finishing shots in them, but basically, you know, just like, he's just a killer. Like he, he just is a killer. That's the only way to put it. Um, two years later, Wyoming get to a spot. He goes, I think we should set up here and do a calling sequence. And I take like two steps to the left to get around this monster pine tree. I'm talking like, like, um, Rockefeller Plaza style tree. Like this thing is huge. I'm right behind it. And he goes elk. And I just lock up. I'm like, of course there's an elk and I'm now behind this tree that I can't see it. It's the size of 20 Texas. yards just to get around it. Yeah. So sure enough, smokes that bull too, goes 80 yards, piles up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So he's just good. He's just a good elk hunter. That's it's the only way to put it. He's got that sixth sense that puts him in the right spot at the right time. And he, and he, and he completes the mission, I guess. I mean, yeah, I've got, I've got a couple buddies like that. Um, and I find myself, being more like that as the years go on, not to where it's like every time I go out, I shoot something or I'm just always in a perfect spot. But I feel like 
over the years experience has kind of pushed me in that direction to where it's like, wow, I am in a perfect spot right now. And I don't know how I got here. It just looked right. And so I sat, whether it's with my rifle, with a bow, whatever. And, uh, I find myself having a lot of opportunities. Now I blow a lot of opportunities too. I do a lot right. of things that people would frown on, but that's okay. Uh, it's my way to do it. So, um, yeah. you yeah, mentioned it's a skill. Oh yeah, it really is. And my buddy, Sean, he's just a freak. Like I don't even try to compete with him anytime he goes out. It's just like, Hey, he told me my first bull or my first elk. He's like, we're going out tomorrow and you are going to shoot a bull elk. And I mean, we're like six days into the hunt, like into a nine day hunt. And he's like, no, tomorrow's the day. So get ready. We're going to get up. We're going to get out to this point. I know there's going to be elk there and you're going to kill a bull. And we went out, the exact thing happened. And then, well, the funny part is he told a different guy, Hey man, come out with me tomorrow because I can get you on a bull elk. And the guy's like, whatever. And Sean goes, the only thing is you have to carry my Ritz crackers. And the guy's like, what are you talking about, man? Like, I'm not going to carry your crackers out there. He's like, yeah, just carry my crackers and I'll put you on a bull. And the guy's like, whatever. And he got all upset, didn't come out. And then we get on a bull elk and I shoot it. And he's like, that could have been his, but he didn't want to carry the crackers. What a power move. Oh, yeah. We, we, so does that mean you you carried his crackers then? I did, yeah. I put them in my side pouch. I've got one of those long pockets that's on the side of my bag. Oh, yeah. He always brings summer sausage. And so he's like, I'll carry the summer sausage. It's heavier. You carry the crackers. That's Oh, I thought it was just like complete power move. Like... Oh, no, no, no. I mean, there there was utility to it also. I mean, we were going to eat yeah. crackers and sausage right. on the mountain. So Yeah, it's like carry my socks and then I'll I'll take you out. Yeah. yeah. No, he's so. he's just a killer, man. Every time we go out, he knows he's he's phenomenal at like reading topography, reading maps. He can tell you right where animals are even before we get out there. He's like, they're going to be right here. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how you know this, but I mean, I do know it's like 18 years of elk hunting experience. So yeah, that that's the out. thing I'm excited to build. You know, I'm, I think I've had seven elk tags now. And so it's, you know, I'm just eager to go as much as I can and learn as much as I can. And, and because to get to that point, you'll never get there if you don't just start going and start trying and to, you know, to be able to have that confidence in, in what you know and where, you know, the elk are going to be and to put it all together in a plan. You know, when I get an elk, usually it's cause I, I winged it in the right direction. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I can't wait to be like out there 30 years from now. And my son has a kid of his own and he comes out and I'm like, yeah, man, this is, this is my 33rd year of elk hunting and to yeah. just like sit back and enjoy and point them in the right direction. You know, like that yeah. kind of experience is amazing to me. I love getting new people out hunting anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I got to touch on something you mentioned just briefly earlier and that shed hunting because we had a conversation the other day you've got a dog mm -hmm. and you enjoy shed hunting you actually invited me on a trip that I'm super pumped about so why don't you talk about shed hunting what that's looked like for you yeah so you know it's, it's just something about finding a nice a-frame Martin building in the woods you know that just gets to me <laughs> um no, just kidding. Every time I tell someone that I'm a big shed hunter, they look at me like, like the building. <laughs> what are you talking? No, I did. Yeah, I had I had someone do the same thing at church. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go shed hunting after work, and they're just like, like you have to buy a shed. 
And I'm like, what? Oh my, no, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, it didn't click to me at first when, when they asked that question, it threw me off, but yeah, yeah that's awesome. No. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know why I enjoy shed hunting so much, but I, I do. It, it's just something about picking up an antler, probably just cause I'm addicted to antlers and you can only get, you know, one buck a year per state yeah. and it's expensive and hard, but shed hunting, you have a good day of shed hunting. You can find, you know, I've brought home more antlers in one day than, you know, multiple seasons of hunting with a bow or a gun. And so I just, I got hook line and sinker into it. Um, I had a buddy growing up, uh, that was kind of half related to one of the property owners that, you know, my uncle that owns the farm and it was like a removed marriage or something, but he was also good friends with my cousin, grandson of the owner. So he would hunt out there and he was a big shed hunter and he had a dog and so I was, I, you know, I was almost like that, you know, fanboying and saying, Hey man, whatever, like I'm 16, 18 at the time, you know, can I just walk with you a day and learn like whatever I can, I just join, like teach me how to do this. This is awesome. Yeah. So we go out, he's like, okay, we'll go to one of my spots and then we'll go to one of your spots. And the last year I went to my spot, we found like nine, 10 sheds. So I was, I'm like, Oh, this is gonna be awesome. We're going to find 30 for sure. Didn't find a shed at a spot, his <laughs> magical spot. Didn't find a shed. Dang. So we go to my, uh, our farm that he kind of casually bow hunts and we're walking around. It's hard. It's a tough year. And his dog just walking through canary grass also picks out a shed, just ninja. And I'm like, how did that dog find that? And he's just like, it's the dog, man. I've seen this dog dive into a snowbank and pull out a shed. So Jeez. I, yeah. And I, for that instant, I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. And driving home. I was just like holding the shed. He's driving. I'm in the truck. I'm just holding the shed. He's like, dude, can I have this? And he goes, no, it, it goes in the collection. And at the time I was so angry. I'm like, this was my farm. I invited you. This is my shed. And it wasn't even a big shed. It was like a 40 inch. I'm like, you found so many bigger sheds than this. It doesn't even matter to you. I didn't say any of this, obviously, but inside I was feeling that emotion of like jealousy a little bit. Yeah. Now, knowing what I know about shed hunting, typically it's, you know, finders keepers, no matter whose farm it is. And then, yep. you know, people have all kinds of rules. Like if you shoot the buck later, they switch back and forth or whatever. But so I went to bother me now, but that moment I'm like, fine, I'm going to go home and take my 12 year old lab and train him how to find sheds tonight. And we're going to go back out tomorrow and find the other half. <laughs> and so I took like two cutoffs and hit him in the library or sorry, not the library, the living room. Um, and like, he like picked them up because he saw me put them down and I'm like, Oh, he's trained. Let's do this. <laughs> and we're walking out and we're walking across this field that didn't get harvested. So they planted it into turnips as a cover crop. Okay. And I'm walking and I'm like, I can cover this whole thing. Cause it's flat and it's turnips. Yeah. And I'm walking across and my dog's walking right next to me, clearly not shed hunting cause it's 12 <laughs> years old. And I spent 13 minutes trying to get them to <laughs> find sheds. And I hear this tink and I'm like, what was that? And I looked down right there. Would have walked right by it. 58 inch shed that is tooth hit. And it was a buck that we called stickers. It was a, it was a five point with a kicker right off the brow. Only literally the only antler on the whole farm I wanted to find. Cause it yeah. was the side with the kicker just right there. Would have walked right by it. Would oh not have gosh. me thinking I can cover 50 and yards left and right. Not even close. <laughs> Jeez. That's I've, I've watched guys shed hunt with dogs and part of me is like, okay, how much work goes into training a dog for shed hunting? Like, I know they've got amazing noses, but with my luck, I'd have a dog and I would find like 10 sheds to its one, 
you know? Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like that would be my luck. But to hear stories of people who have well-trained dogs and they go in a spot and it's like, you can't, you might as well not even walk in it. You just direct your dog through it and they'll pick out sheds. Some of them are years old. Some of them are fresh and just under the thickest, nastiest grass you can imagine. Right. I just, I've given up yeah. on, I haven't given up on shed hunting. I've given up on the idea that I'm going to find a lot of sheds because I am so bad at it. Yeah. Well, you know, ironically that dog just happened to walk into that one almost. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a great hunting dog, great pheasant dog, but he just found it by pure chance. And that was the first shed I found. So I was instantly hooked, but we don't find a lot of sheds in our home farm. I hunt it every year cause it's the home farm. I'm never going to give up on it, but you know, I've probably found four or five sheds in, in 10 years hunting yeah. that farm um, versus the, you know, 70, 80, I've found other places. So, um, and then I got, when I finally built my house, I, I got a dog and I was like, the only reason I wanted a house and get out of an apartment is so I could get a puppy and train them how to find sheds. And so I got Grizz, he's a yellow lab. Um, and I worked with him to train him a little bit in obedience. And then I worked out a deal with the breeder. So he maintained breeding rights of Grizz in exchange for just let me buy him because he didn't want to let him go. Yeah. But I wanted him so bad because he, he had like good potential. He was a great looking dog. He's one of those dogs that um, you know, could be on the cover of Ducks Unlimited. He just has that iconic yellow lab look. And awesome. it's kind of a shame that shed hunters don't have as much downtime as waterfall guys. Because <laughs> waterfall guys get the best pictures of their dogs. Really it's, do. it's There's so many cool pictures out there, duck dogs. And my dog's out there covered in mud, running through the cattails, can't <laughs> see them and anything. And try to get a picture. It's like on the fly and it's blurry. Yep. And so I don't get a lot of good pictures on that. Sometimes I'll throw one back out and have him go retrieve it while I'm ready with the camera. So I can get him like mid stride with an antler in his mouth just yeah. for the gram. But I, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my other thing. I would have to hire a photographer if I had any hopes. I I bought a camera. I've bought so many camera accessories over the years. I've got two Tacticams. I've got almost nothing on camera. Like I just don't. <laughs> it's I, hard. I get out there and I'm like, all right, I'm hunting. And then it's my. I come home. My wife's like, did you get any content for like Instagram, TikTok? Take any pictures, videos? I'm like, nope, nothing. Not a single thing. And she's yeah. like, oh, okay. I mean, if I shoot something, I'll take a picture. But other than that, I just don't think about it. Yeah. It's tough to do. I, in college, I got onto the bowhunting.com forum site. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, it's kind of like Archery Talk or any of them. Yeah. And I got super involved with their everything they posted. I was just, I, I fell in love with the idea of filming. And I'm 21, 22 at the time in college thinking I'm going to do this. Like, Oh, I could do that. That looks so easy. All I do is get a, tr a camera arm and just point it at the deer and then shoot the deer. And so I asked them like, Hey, I want to be a pro staff member, not knowing. I mean, have you seen the show bow hunter die? Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was the show. And so those guys put out some really high quality stuff and I message them and be like, Hey, I want to do this. And they're like, uh, what's your, you know, what, okay. Show us your portfolio. I was like, oh, I don't have a portfolio. I just want to do it. <laughs> and they're like, well, a little bit more to it than that. How about you start as a field staff, like a, a brand ambassador? I was like, all right, whatever to get in. And then I, so I did that and just being around all those guys inspired me. So I got a video camera and a camera arm, but I found it was just so hard to get everything to work. And, you know, my problem, 
was, you know, besides inexperience and, and probably a lot of technical skill and <laughs> capability, I'd forget like one piece of the package at my dorm yep. and drive all the way two hours back home to hunt. And it's like, well, I forgot the camera base. So the whole weekend for filming is gone. So I just hunt. And eventually I was like, this is just too stressful to try to get this all to work out. So I sold it all and bought a, uh, just a DSLR for photography. Yeah. And now I put that on my shoulder strap of my bino harness and it just hangs right here anywhere I go. So then I found it's a lot easier to take still pictures, you know, deer come out in the plot. I just take it off, shoot some pictures, mess around with some light settings, you know, have some fun. Um, and it's, it's a little bit easier. It's, it gets tricky when something comes out, you want to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I did get some pictures of Bert, that buck I told you about as he came into the plot one night. I snapped like three quick pictures, made sure one of them was at least clear and then put the camera away, locked in. And I was like, I'm not unhooking my heart, my release at all in case this buck comes in. Yeah. So. Dang. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I have been in the same boat as you with just having like the one piece gone. I think it was the the first day I went out bow hunting this year. Um, I ended up shooting a doe. I had a new camera arm from last year. I had all of these accessories. I have it all in my bag. We stayed out at the hunting property, wake up, and I'm like putting it all together, making sure everything's in my bag. And I realize just the mounting plate yeah. is gone. And I'm like, hey, at least it's going to be a lighter hike in. Like, <laughs> right? I yeah. dump everything Save out of my bag. I'm like, forget this. I, uh, yeah. I didn't bring anything out. And of course, I shot a deer. I have yet to get a deer on camera. Even this year, I brought my nephew out. It was his second time ever hunting. Um, I brought him out. He sat with me. I have a camera. I have my cell phone. And I even walked through with him. I'm like, dude, when a deer comes in, like, I'm going to hand you this. You're going to record everything. And we're going to get awesome footage. <laughs> and I had a small doe come through. And I gave him the camera. And I'm like, dude video this like it's practice for when the big guy shows up he did everything was flawless i showed him how to zoom on it everything and then a big doe came through didn't hand him anything didn't say like hey record <laughs> just shot it then a buck yeah. comes through gives me about 12 seconds of opportunity pull the trigger and i'm like man even with a little camera guy with me i can't figure it out no it's tricky and then you know the times that i would figure it out I'd shoot and the does like 28 yards. I had a doe duck my arrow by six inches. And Jeez. it was like, I, I you, you frame by frame it. And it's like, this knock is going right for its heart. Yep. And by the time it gets there, it's six inches over its back. I'm like, I can't even kill him with like my bow. I might as well forget about the camera for now and just try to figure out how to shoot underneath these deer. So they drop into my arrow. Yeah. If it's not windy, I hate the 20 to 40 yard range for archery whitetail. Because they can hear the arrow, but they have enough time to drop. And anything yeah. inside 20, I feel like they don't have enough time. Anything outside of 40, typically they don't hear it as much. It's not like as startling, like they're going to duck. But if it's a little bit windy, my favorite's like 8 to 15 mile an hour wind. Because then you hear the leaves rustling. They probably right. aren't going to hear your bow go off. And yeah. Uh, I'm not I crazy. I don't shoot super far anyways. So, uh, I'm not shooting like antelope at 90 yards like some dudes do, but, uh, I'm like a 40 yard shooter. I mean, maybe 45. 
I say that I'd probably push the boundaries if like a monster showed up that I'd never seen before, but yeah, that's, I'm kind of in that boat. I mean, I shoot to a hundred yards with my bow on target Yep. and I, I feel pretty confident in it. Um, you know, I'm probably holding 10 to 12 inch groups, which, I mean, if you were to actually put a tw- 10 to 12 inch group in a white tail, you're probably going to kill it. The problem is, is it going to be a good shot or is it just going to die? And is that deer going to still be there in a second and a half that it takes your arrow to go these long yeah. distances? And so that buck that I had, it was the biggest buck I've ever seen in my life, 160 inch buck. We've been chasing him for three years and he was at 50 yards broadside in my food plot, calmer than can be. And I just like, I, I, I'm not, I can't take that shot. That, that's too far for me. I know guys, you know, guys could have easily killed that buck, it, yep. but I'm not one of them. I, I just didn't want to wound him or something to go wrong. It was super calm. And so I'm just praying the whole time, like bring him into this scrape tree that I planted, bring him in Lord. Like, please, I was praying to every, you know, grandpa up in heaven and everybody, the patriot saint of hunting. And, um, and finally we're running out of time and I'm just like, you know what? whatever you want, Jesus, whatever your plan is, I'm on board. If you want me to have this deer, great. If not great. Yeah. And the, the right as I get done saying that this buck turns, like he's going to walk out and I'm like, all right, well now or never I do the snort wheeze with my, you know, <laughs> and this deer went from zero to a hundred miles an hour without taking a blink. He didn't wait for the next heartbeat. He didn't like, you know, every time I've ever been busted, they stop, they look at you and then it's either they take off right away or they look for their exit route and take off or they like, I don't really like it. And they just leave. Yep. This buck didn't do anything. He didn't look to where it came from. He didn't verify. He didn't look at his, his exit plan. He was just gone hundred miles an hour. It was like, I shot him. And I'm like, Jeez. well, it's a good thing. I didn't shoot at 50. If he was that much on edge, yeah, he would have no been kidding. gone and I would have hit him in the shoulder. <laughs> Dude. I watched a video on YouTube. It's gotta be a couple months ago now. I think I saved it, but this dude shoots at a buck and it wasn't, I mean, it was like 43 yards. Maybe uh, I could have that wrong. He, he shoots at it. This buck not only ducks, but it turns away as it ducks, and he smokes it right in the back of the head with his arrow and just drops it dead in its place. Dang. And I was like, "Okay, that couldn't be any luckier." Like you, I was really, like a Hawkeye. <laughs> uh huh. He lucked out so big, and those are the types of things where I'm like, "Man, it would be cool to still get the deer, but I would be sick about that forever." Even though I got it, like to think about what could have gone wrong. I, yeah, well, that drives me crazy, man. That that's the type of stuff that keeps me up at night. Yeah. We'll talk about insanely lucky, um, keeping you up at night and what could have gone wrong. Uh, segue. I mentioned this casually the other day, but I actually had ended up field testing my harness bow hunting oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. First time in my life. I mean, I I've, I've gone up in a tree without a harness before thinking I, nothing's going to happen. It'll be fine. And then, you know, I realized, you know, as, as most people eventually do, like, that's dumb. Like, it's just dumb. Just put your harness on. So now I always wear a harness. And, yeah, I was going up. I usually put my bow across my shoulders, and I tuck my – I have a 10-inch stabilizer, so I tuck it under my vinyl harness strap and lock it down. So it kind of just rests there. For whatever reason, it kept wanting to, like, tilt backwards off my shoulders, so I had to kept, like, pulling it up. And so that was kind of just annoying, but it's happened before, and I'm climbing up. And it's cold. It was one of those cold snaps. And I think I accidentally hit the top step and unseated it because I was remembered like, Oh, that came unseated. I got to seat that before I get up in it. So I like seat it back down and I stand on it. And all of a sudden it's just like the world fell from underneath me. And I had one arm around the tree because I, I didn't want to like swing back. 
as I climbed and I was climbing, you know, I'd, I'd move my lifeline up, go up a step, but I had this, my left arm around the tree. Well, all that happened was the left arm like started to tighten and just basically smashed my face into the tree, just, you know, headbutted myself into the oh, tree. Gosh. And then I'm sliding down just straight sliding. And the, the harness catches about the same time my feet just hit the next step. And I'm like, holy crap. I look up, deer's running away. <laughs> Heard the whole thing. And I just like couldn't believe I'm like, how did this happen? Like I've done, I've gotten into a tree a hundred times. Not yeah. like not, I've unseated steps before. Like we've all done it. You just seat them back down and they're yep. fine. I don't know what went wrong. I think I had my straps a little bit too loose and I was seating them a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, it's just like crazy. One of those crazy reminders. I'll never get in a tree again without a harness. That was the scariest oh, thing I've ever felt. Yeah. That's insane, and it hurt. Man. Like I, how high up were you? I do four sticks and that was the fourth stick. So yeah, dude, no, thanks. I, uh, I've got buddies that are rock climbers and they put their, like one of them puts, I let's put it this way. I had like, typically when I take stands down or put them up i've got a rock climbing harness on and i like to do like a double tether i mean it's like an old school version of a saddle system now right and yeah uh, if i'm if i'm putting like actual hard tree stands up that are hanging permanently i'll i'll wear that and i'll hook to a limb or whatever even with a harness on i wouldn't climb up to get some of these stands down that they had put up i mean it was <laughs> it was in like the most the most dirty location you could imagine like up in the crotch of this tree 35 yeah. feet up like at a four-way crossing on a fence line and looking down or being at the base of the tree and looking up the trunk at it you can just see the whole tree swaying like three or four feet when the wind's blowing and i'm like probably half as many steps as they needed yeah i'm like you guys actually yeah well that's the other thing my buddy came out with me uh one of the rock climbers and i was like dude you got to get trenton stand down like, I'm not going up there. I just, it's not going to happen. And he starts to climb it. Luckily, we had a bunch of tree pegs that we pulled out of other tree stands. And we ended up screwing 14 extra tree pegs in just to get up to this spot. Because he had them so spaced out. We're like, dude, we're doubling how many are here. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, dude, I hunt like 12 feet off the ground. I mean, I hunt low. And a lot of people don't think it's smart. I've had so many encounters with deer, like right underneath me, no issues whatsoever. Yeah. The best camo is sitting still. Yep. Exactly. I'm probably at that 14 to 16 to the platform. Like I'm not super high. Um, I don't, I don't know if you did it. I had a calm night last this year, dead calm. So calm that like the scent was just like expanding, not moving. Yep. just expanding and there's deer everywhere in the plot like it was like i was scared to blink it was so quiet i could have heard the mouse heartbeat yep. never got busted i can't explain it but you know like if you, you don't have to be at the you know top of the eiffel tower to, to to do this and then it just makes your shot angle super hard so i like i like the uh elevated ground buttons now yep. i'm that's if i'm bow hunting and i'm trying to shoot does specifically like early season where i don't really think a big buck's going to come out before dark I'm hunting in my six foot elevated hard walled blind that yep. I built to kill bow or kill those out of. It's so much more comfortable and easy. And yeah, it's brilliant. I, uh, I've hunted a little bit of everything. I haven't done, I guess I've done a couple elevated blinds before, but I'm just like where, where I hunt, 
there's so many dudes that just show up randomly to hunt there. It drives me crazy. The old landowner, he would let anybody and everybody show up. And so I'm like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to come out here one day and some dude's going to be in the blind. It's going to turn into a huge deal. And so I just hang stands in spots that people can't even see them. Like if you're walking through, you're never going to know my stand is there unless like I'm showing you where it's at. So, yeah, no, that's yeah. Stand safety is pretty big thing. Don't go getting hurt. (laughs) No. Yeah. Luckily. Yeah. I've never taken a whipper out of a tree. I, uh, I did convince my wife to climb up in a tree one time. So she shot her first deer. We were heading up the tree and she's like, wait, where do I have to go? Well, there was this like branch that was kicking off. I mean, I say it's a branch. It's like a second trunk coming off of almost the base of the tree. And so I put a couple of pegs in that and I'm like, all right, you got to like skirt around this side of the tree, put a foot over there, climb up a couple, get on the platform. She's like, yeah, there's no way I'm doing that. Like I, we can go home. I'm not climbing up this. And I'm like, no, you're good. You're good. I promise. She didn't end up doing it. She ended up going up over my stand because I was going to film for her. I was up higher than she was like to her right. And uh, she ended up going up and over my stand and dropping down to hers. And I was like, sorry about that, babe. She's like, I was almost done hunting before we ever made it to the tree stand. Like I will never climb into a stand like that again. Um, I just have to take that new account next time because I'm used I've to had the same sketchy experience, same experience as you, uh, got my, uh, fiance into hunting. Well, she's hunted with her dad and stuff, but then she had to take kind of a longer pause cause she went to pharmacy school. And so last fall I convinced her to come out bow hunting with me and she, she had the bow, she was hunting, but we go to my tree stand Well, I'm six, two, she's five, four. So you know, my, I was trying to kind of maximize my height with four sticks Well, she's trying to do the splits up this tree to get the next foot on the, and she gets up in and, you know, I'm, you know, just like you probably were, you go up first and then you stand on the first stand and hang the second and then yep. step into the second. So I do that. And so I'm up in the tree, like, yo, you can do it. You know, whispering, you can do it. You can do it. Let's go like, take your time, but let's hurry. Um, and so she gets up and it, she goes, that was not fun. <laughs> i don't like this awesome. can we go back to the ground blind well i convinced her luckily to to try it again for the gun season we hunted in a dual set yeah. and she got her first deer with a gun from a tree stand i forgot the shooting pole for her that we were going to use one of those uh primos you know trigger sticks yep and just put it on the base well i forgot that at the truck so i had like a broken branch that i offered her as like a peace offering when the deer came out and she looks at it and just like drops it off of the platform and free hands this deer with a shotgun that was not fitted for her and got her first buck nice that's cool at least something good came out of it i was like if if my wife hadn't shot her first deer i don't know how many times she would have gone out after that yeah early success is good when you're trying to get people into the outdoors that's for sure oh definitely um, well, I, I would assume, you know, that this question's coming next. What, if you could hunt anything, any weapon, what would it be? And it doesn't have to be like, this is the only thing I ever hunt, but what's your number one bucket list hunt where and what weapon? I really want to do a brown bear Kodiak archery hunt. Um, I don't know why. I've never bear hunted in my life, but I want to do that just because I, I feel like if you could do that, you could do anything. And yeah. like, if you can face a brown bear, like one of the, I think they get like 13 feet long. They, they if you can face it, yeah. one of those at on the ground with a bow, 
Like, what's going to stop you in life? Like, what are you? You're going to get scared of speaking in front of people like you just shot a bear with your bow. Like, you know, what are you going to be afraid of anymore? So I I, kind of like that. Definitely archery moose is big up on the list of UConn. Um, I have a acquaintance that is a huge, successful bow hunter. He's done some crazy hunts. He's got his sheep grand slam with the bow, and he just did a doubleheader moose brown bear hunt with his bow. And oh I was gosh. like, ooh, man. Yeah, he had his, he was, uh, he has a picture of his bull on his back, and he had to bend over just because the antlers were hitting the ground and oh then like way off. Yeah. See, I can't, I feel like if I did that, I could pair moose up with something else or bear up with something else, but I feel like I couldn't pair them together for one hunt. I would have to separate them. I don't know why. Just I just enjoy feel like them it or would more. take away. Yeah. I feel like it would take away from one having already done the other one, like in the same trip. And so I'd probably do like a, like a caribou moose hunt or yeah. um, like a wolf and bear hunt, something like that. I feel like would well, be a lot of fun. The guy that, that did this, he is he's probably one of the most accomplished bow hunters I personally met. Like I haven't met Cameron Haynes or Joe Rogan or any of those, you know, insane bow hunters, but he is, he's insane. He shot his, I think it was his doll sheep at 116 yards or 107 yards. And he was the, the story I heard, which is from other people, but I, I believe it is that he was at such an angle that he was leaning off a cliff shooting straight down. And his guide was holding onto his bino harness to keep him on the mountain. Dude, and See, yeah, I'm not he... about to die, man. I love hunting, but I told my buddy <laughs> on the mountain goat hunt, I'm like, listen, I'm not dying for your mountain goat. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, he's he's insane. He um he hunted three trips in 47 days for his first shot opportunity at his stone sheep. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah, in British Columbia. I mean, he's just he's. He's super good, man. He's super <laughs> successful. So he was the one that first told me about, you know, if you want to be a sheep hunter, kill a lot of stuff with your bow, like just become a killer. And that's kind of when I, he, he was the one that opened up the thought of like being, uh, you know, being able to, to be successful in that moment is a skill. It's not chance. It's not opportunity. It's not luck. It's a skill. Like yeah. you're not just going to instantly sink those 10 ring shots on sheep or giant bulls or moose or bears, if you haven't done it a million times on bows, um, sorry, does and, and, you know, bucks and the tree stand and spot and stock mule deer, just, he's like stock everything you can shoot everything. like, just get really, really, really dialed in. Yeah, It's a skill. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right, man. I mean, <laughs> you've done this way more than me. So yeah. spot and stock bow archery hunting is a whole different ball game. But, um, yeah, man, when we were in Alaska this year, our, our bush plane guide, he was, we were talking to him and he's like, man, I drop people off out here all the time for black tailed deer, for bear, all this different stuff. And I was like, Oh cool. Like what about the bears today that we see? Cause I knew we were going to be, they said almost every trip you're within 20 yards of a big brown bear. And I'm like, okay, cool. Should I bring my pistol? Like, should I bring bear spray? He's like, no, 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 you don't need to worry about any of that. Like these bears don't really care that we're there. They're there for the salmon. They don't even pay any attention. They see us literally twice a day, every day for some of them 30 years. And he's like, now the interior brown bears, they'll pull you out of your tent. And I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh. And he's like, yeah, there's stories of people literally in their tent. They wake up being drug out by the head, by the foot, by whatever. 
a bear just rips into it and grabs him and starts carrying him off. Yeah, that's nuts. You know, I want to do the archery bear hunt, but I want a guide that's got a very big rifle behind me. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. That's insane. I want to go to Alaska, just even if it's just with my camera. Like, I, it's just something about Alaska is, you know, mystical and you just you, you feel like it's one of those adventures where you'd never know what you're going to find up there if you go. Like, oh yeah, it's it's the greatest place on earth. I mean, I haven't been everywhere, but there's nothing that even comes close to it. I mean, being out in the Rockies, being to Yellowstone, being to Bighorn, being to the Badlands, Florida, I mean, you you name it, I've been a bunch of different places. There's nothing that even comes close to Kodiak Island, Alaska. I freaking love it. And if my wife didn't hate the cold, we would be living there right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys do kind of have that nomad lifestyle set up. You could kind of dual residency probably we've summers about, in Alaska. We've talked about being like 30 year old snowbirds, you know, just going up there yeah. all summer, going to Florida in the winter, but we'll see what the future holds. Who knows? Um, yeah. well, dude, I want to give you a chance. We're over an hour now. Um, I want to give you a chance to share with everybody where they can find you, where they can follow along, find the product, um, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, probably most active on Instagram and TikTok, like everyone else. Um, beard guy, Brian on TikTok, Brian underscore Nodak 701 on Instagram. That stands for North Dakota. And then the website, bullelkbeardoil.com. It's pretty simple. If you're looking to grow that manly elk shapely beard, go check it out. Um, and just be a dude, man. Just dude, go chase I your love dreams. this stuff. I absolutely love it. I mean, I I trimmed up the other day, and so mine is looking like there's almost nothing there. But uh, I still use it every day. I, I told yeah. my wife, I'm like, I might have to go from herd bull back down to raghorn. Like, <laughs> I've got all three bottles. Um, yeah, yeah. Like when you said you that, it was names. funny. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't quite thinking it that way. I was just kind of like. You know, hurt Raghorn, young guy off in the woods, kind of on his own. He probably has that more woodsy smell. Satellites are trying to, like, elicit the ladies and, like, <laughs> steal them, kind of, you know, probably trying a little too hard. So they're probably more of the, like, fruity. And then the herd bull's like, I just want a clean, nice smell, man. I don't care. I'm going to walk over there, you know, not run type of. <laughs> That's awesome. So, See, I, I yeah. think I viewed it. I just went straight off of size. And so I'm thinking like <laughs> small beard is raghorn, you know, decent beard yeah. is satellite bull, which is probably what I should have been using if I'm going by that mentality. Um, and then the herd bull just has this big gnarly. Yeah. No, I beard. just, I wanted to come up with cool names to distinguish between the different scents is really, they're all the same except for the scent. And um, pretty soon we're going to come out with some beard balms, which will help the people that under your strategy have that herd bull beard, keep yeah. it shaped nicely all day long. So nice. uh, keep an eye out for that. That'll be coming here soon, probably right after the holidays. Okay. Very cool. Well, yeah. uh, last but not least emptying the chamber. This is your chance to leave the listeners with whatever piece of advice or knowledge you want. Well, I don't know if I have a lot of knowledge, but my advice would be to just go do it, whatever it is. Like, don't wait. I mean, if you want to elk hunt, don't look at waiting 10 years to afford a guide. There's over the counter opportunities. If you want to go on some cool fishing trip, you know, talk to some buddies and just don't wait, just go do it. There's so much opportunity out there. And it, it's just, it's, it, life is short, man. It, don't waste time not pursuing your passions and your dreams. Yeah, 
Speaking of that, um, we have got to just go out and hunt together. So, oh yeah, whether it's let's do that shed hunt. I'm down. I'm a hundred percent in. Shoot me dates, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I'll put it on the calendar right now. Yeah. Well, I always, I typically wait until the spring, so I kind of pick it so you get to that like the the South Dakota hunt. I try to time it so it's right when the snow, like the week after the snow melts, so you're like the first ones out there, yep. but you're not wasting time walking through drifts. Um, so it's kind of flexible and then, you know, spring weather, anything can happen, but I try to get there at least twice a year because it's just so much fun. It's, it's kind of like elk hunting win or lose. It's the adventure's worth the ride. Yeah, totally. You know? Well, I'm in a hundred percent, man. Thanks for the time yeah. and, uh, we'll stay in touch. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I am so pumped and looking forward to a couple trips with Brian coming up here. Um, not only shed trips, but we've been talking about whitetail hunting and we've specifically been talking about a potential lease opportunity. It's a little early to say if that's going to happen for sure, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm hoping that it works out. Um, there's a lot of cool opportunities and potential coming up ahead for both he and I, and yeah, it's a super exciting season. So hopefully you guys have had some success. I am fighting it cold, so if in the intro and the outro it sounds like that, that's why. I've been, I, I got hit with a head cold yesterday. It's kicked my butt. I was hoping to get out and do some more bow hunting because season's going to end here in like one month, and so I'm going to get out as much as I can. Unfortunately, now I'm two days less in the woods, but hopefully I feel better, better tomorrow, can get out and try to connect with one of my target bucks, and hopefully you guys are doing the same. I, I pray and hope for success for all of you, um, and stay safe out there. Please stay safe. Anyways, I'm rambling now. We're going to wrap this one up. Until next time, always choose adventure, and God bless. <laughs>